The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Breaching the fault lines of today. Welcome to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to another episode this week of Reform This on the Blaze Radio Network. It is always a pleasure to be with you. Thank you for spending some time with me. If you're new, I hope you hear a voice of reason, of patriotism, of rational thinking, a Muslim who's unafraid to take on the toughest issues. I think you'll hear a conversation here that you just not heard anywhere else, at least from an American Muslim. And this week is, again, like no other. The drumbeats of war continue. The battlefronts are on the streets of the freest country in the world. And New York City has found itself, for the first time since 9-11, the victim of another act of terror inspired, obviously, by ISIS. And the perpetrator, Saipov Saifulal. I'm sorry, Saifulal Saipov, a Uzbekistanian immigrant from 2010, an Uber driver who interviews so far say that, oh, he just seemed, nobody knew what he was. He never went to the mosque, yada, yada. Then you look at pictures of him. One picture actually is from a correctional facility in Missouri, and yet nobody's talked about his previous prison time yet, so we're trying to understand that. Um, But apparently, even that picture showed he had the typical Salafi beard. Now, hold on, a lot of the Muslims listening to this will say, oh, you can't indict him just because he's got that Salafi beard. And what's a Salafi? Salaf means friends of the Prophet, as I've talked about before on this program. But we have to recognize that Salafi jihadism is a militant offshoot of this orthodox fundamentalism that is called Salafism. And Salafism is a large global movement, very protean, different manifestations from the more mystical to the more militant like Wahhabism, a form of Salafism. But forget me trying to get you into uh, a, a expertise on Islamic theology. At the end of the day, we have to make the connection. We must make the connection between political Islamic ideology and radical Islamism, radical Islam. Terrorism, which is a tactic. You and I have talked about this many times before. And this week, as uh, New York finds itself on Halloween Day, Halloween Day, trying to understand why a barbaric animal, animal would take a Home Depot truck, and decide to try to obliterate as many human beings as possible. What would make this man do that? What gets into his mind? He dehumanizes people that he considers as citizens of the West. Now, there may have even been Muslims that he was running into. He really didn't care. He viewed New York City. He viewed America. He viewed that Statue of Liberty not far from Manhattan, area where he did this act of barbaric allegiance to ISIS. He viewed them as the land of war, 
Anywhere where it's not dominated by ISIS or Islamic theocrats is the land of war. Even Islamic-majority countries like Saudi Arabia, Egypt, that are run by so-called secular dictators. I say so-called because they invoke Sharia in their law. They are a Sharia state. They're just corporate mafioso Islamists versus the viral grassroots barbaric Islamists. They're all barbarians feeding from the same trough of 12th century Sharia law. But the threat, the threat again we're reminded of. The whack-a-mole program continues, and this mole we missed. This mole completed his act. Is it preventable? I don't think so. Not once these guys get in their head that they want to join and follow. This guy followed the instructions of ISIS to the T. One, two, three, get in the vehicle, go to crowded areas, get on the sidewalk, have other weapons in your bag that you can get out and even inflict more harm when your vehicle can't go further. Boom, 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 he completed it. And America now starting to say, what is this vehicular jihad? While Israelis have been dealing with it for decades. And they've not let it change the democracy that is their country. They've continued to confront and increase the security against the ideology of Hamas's Ikhwani, Muslim Brotherhood ideology. But reforms have not happened. The threat continues. You know, in the next segment, I want to talk to you about what happened in New York, I think, depicts, if we're going to protect our countries, the protection will come from finding these guys long before. And this guy was not. Notice, I beg of you, don't even think about the term lone wolf. Don't even think about it. Did I say that? Don't don't say that term, please. He's not a lone wolf. He's not a lone wolf any more than an Ebola virus infected patient during a pandemic has nothing to do with any other infected patients. They come in contact. They share the same toxin. They're vectors for the same virus. This individual is a vector for the militarized, operationalized version of theocratic political Islam. And if we're going to defeat it, we have to understand how that virus spreads, what it means, how it infects the land of the brain of this Muslim. And I say the land of the brain, you know, we look at ISIS and we say, oh, we're on the verge of victory. True. True. This president has finally unleashed our DOD so that they can do their job. And they've done wonderfully in Iraq where ISIS is almost completely non-existent as far as land control goes. Ideologically, they're still there. In Syria, Raqqa has almost been taken, has basically been taken back away from ISIS. And it's a far more difficult adventure because the regime there supported by Russia is, is our enemy. It's not our ally. And yet we've almost completed the operation. But that's a physical land. Financially, their finances are beginning to get more strapped. But they still release these nuggets of infected virus ideologies that they want to get into the brain of susceptible individuals seeking redemption. And you and I have talked a lot about that, that the real problem 
for radicalization lies in American Muslims, in Western, German, Dutch, Swedish, Italian, Belgian Muslims who do not have an identification with their nation or home nation, but have an identification with the Islamist caliphist nation that they want to die for and serve in their jihad. So the land that's occupied by ISIS in the cerebral cortex and the brain of these individuals will never be defeated militarily. Never. It will have to be defeated ideologically. And until we get into the business, into the war of advancing how to fill that brain ideologically with an identification, a loyalty to secular nation states, to liberal democracies, to the ideas of individual freedoms over the tribe, we will never, never stop the program of having to worry about the next terror attack because 1.6 billion people are a constituency for the Islamist identification movement. And so far, ladies and gentlemen, so far, it has gotten into the minds of, I think, the most conservative estimates, 20 25% of Muslims globally, which is 300 million people, if not 400 million. And liberally, at least 40%, which would bring you to 700 million. Huge, huge numbers. And then you add into that the illiteracy rates, the the lack of access to media and other things with dictatorships running most of these countries, you see the huge task ahead of us. How do we recapture the land and the cerebral cortex when people like Saipov are radicalized? And as we discuss it in this national conversation, 24-7 for the days after the attack on Halloween, we need to complete this discussion every day continue it never complete it and say it's done but continue it as part of like a weather report we should have a jihad report when we come back i want to talk to you about synchronicity what is the timing that's happening that really has to be more than a coincidence this is zudi jasser on reform this reform this with dr zudi jasser on the blaze radio network the progressive movement is full of lies why do americans keep falling for the deception in his new book liars glenn beck reveals the simple answer fear at our most basic level we're all afraid of something and progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. The Blaze Radio Network On Demand. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. This is Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to Reform This on the Blaze Radio Network. Another week. Another terror attack. This guy claimed allegiance immediately to ISIS. Had a note in his car claiming allegiance. Wants a flag put in his hospital room. Yes, asked for a flag 
to be put in his hospital room and were getting release of his comments. One of his comments was that he was very happy of the success. That's S.O.B. was happy of the success of his act of war. I tweeted out that we should allow him to put his flag on the lining of his bedpan. Hopefully, the process of bringing him to justice will include a death penalty after we extract all the information possible out of him in order to prevent and understand whether he had any accomplices, what his associates did, and what radicalized these individuals. It's not need too much rocket science, but I think one of the things that comes to mind as we look at defeating that last territory in the cerebral cortex, the territory of the cerebral cortex of Muslims around the planet. The the important part that I think we should look at today, just for a second, grant me this sort of tangential, tangential thought, if you will. There's a concept that it's not just a police song, <laughs> synchronicity, but it's a concept that is often associated with folks that uh, look at paranormal activity, etc. There was a uh, German scientist, Carl Jung, an analytical psychologist that obviously gave significant contributions to psychoanalysis, but talked about synchronicity, acts that can happen between individuals that may not know one another, that may know one another, that we don't know if it has a causal relationship, but seems to be meaningful coincidences. Now, these occur at the same time. So I want to talk about a new type of synchronicity. And this week was the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. And there is a German town that was abuzz this week with Luther mania, Martin Luther mania, Wittenberg, the discussion of the Wittenberg Bible and how Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the castle church doors on October 31st, 1517. And the 500th anniversary on October 31st of the start of that Reformation was noted. And to the day, to the day, this militant, barbaric animal of a human being committed committed this act of terror on behalf of ISIS. A hundred years after that nailing of the thesis, a hundred years, four generations, Europe went through its 30 years war, eight million people died, and on goes further, deeper plunge into religious wars. And by the grace of God, the discovery of America led to the colonies, led to the revolution against the throne of England, against the Church of England, and the defeat militarily and ideologically of theocracy and the victory of the ideas of James Madison, Thomas Jefferson, and others of our founding fathers who were devout, some deists, most 
most obviously openly Christian, and yet they did not want the word Christian in our founding documents. We teach in our Muslim Liberty Project that Muslims can learn from that debate that George Mason, who wanted the word Christian, wanted it to be a Christian state, so did James Madison, but they didn't want it to be debated forever what form of Christianity, so they said we would be under God, but individual rights protected in this republic, which also by definition is not a democracy but a republic, because democracy is simply about majority vote. A republic is based on the rule of law, of a definition of law that we all agree is enshrined from the Constitutional Convention. Islam has not gone through this hugely tectonic shift in the center of political gravity which shifted of 18 centuries of control of government by not only families and dynasties, but by religious institutions. And the First Amendment is not only about free speech, is not only about the, the freedom of religion, freedom from discrimination, but the freedom to have a government that cannot and will not establish a religion. And I will tell you that in my work, I believe that is the best antidote, the best antidote to radicalization. The best antidote to defeat the Islamic State is to say there shall be no Islamic State because you cannot establish it. We should have a country that is based in reason, based in freedom and liberty, and that there is no religious test for government. There is no religious test for government. And as Roy Moore won the nomination, there's been a lot of debate about his criticism of Keith Ellison. I've been very critical of Keith Ellison. I think he's an Islamist. I think his Islamist ideology conflicts with his loyalty to the United States. Absolutely it does. But the criticism from Roy Moore is that him being Muslim conflicts, and that's nonsense. Absolute nonsense. Yes, Islam has not gone through Reformation, but being Muslim belonging to any faith is not by definition a conflict ideology can be a conflict and I think we can lay out the case as I do in my book in the chapter on Keith Ellison in a battle for the soul of Islam I lay out that I believe that his political ideology and defense and apologetics about political Islam compromises who he is as an American but that's another subject synchronicity is where I started this conversation in this segment and what am I talking about the, the synchronicity of October 31 falling I don't think this Uber driver I'm almost 100% sure Mr. Saipov who I hope meets a quick death after his conviction had no clue about the Reformation probably couldn't even spell it but the synchronicity that that fell on the same day as the time he committed the act on Halloween also, I think is is something we just can't ignore. It's a coincidence. I don't believe in paranormal activity or any of that nonsense, but I think there's a message there. We can learn from a lot of things. If you don't learn from history, you are doomed to repeat it, as the scholars and philosophers have said many times before. We should learn from the synchronicity of these events. 
Islam is just now 1,438 plus years old and is going through its beginnings, its utter beginnings of reformation. There are many stimulants that can wake up a population of a faith community to the need to reform. And I think this war by the most vicious, venomous, barbaric, animalistic organization of ISIS, be it Al-Qaeda, Hamas, or any of these organizations, I think speaks to a tipping point that will finally get Muslims, hopefully, to wake up. To wake up and realize that we have our legacies to be concerned about. We have, if we're going to leave anything behind, to look back at history, see what we learn, and see how we can change the future to make sure it doesn't repeat itself. And in Islam, the beginning of that reformation is how we prevent the ISISs of the world from taking the territory of the brains of our youth. It's not about a few killers. This is the consciousness of the youth, the territory of their cerebral cortex, not of their land in Syria and Iraq, not of their oil money or their money they get from sex slavery and other horrible fascistic methods of getting money, but the territory of their brain that gives its loyalty to jihad. What are we doing to teach our youth to be loyal? Not only just loyal, but to want to die for America, for Germany, for freedom, for liberalism. Are we doing anything? That is going to be the pushing, the tipping point towards a need to begin reformation. And I think the synchronicity of the 500-year anniversary on top of just another act of terror upon innocent Americans who did not pick this war, but the war came to them. And despite the most passive president in the history of America has seen our security matrix worsen exponentially, despite now the largest agency in government being DHS, Department of Homeland Security. So those two things shows appeasement, withdrawal, isolation don't work. Because we will, because of our consciousness of consciousness of who we are as Americans, our country will always be targeted by radicals, by theocrats, because we are the greatest threat to their occupation of the brain of Muslim citizens. This is Zudi Jasser. We'll be right back on Reform This. You're listening to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. The Blaze Radio Network. Today, this is Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to Reform This. We dove into, uh, yeah, you know, this doctor, um, a scientist by trade, I, I took a little detour and talked about synchronicity. So there you go. I'm uh, more diverse than you'd think. Um, maybe there's something to learn for history, from history there, and moving forward, the challenges. Hopefully, Islamic reform won't take the 500 years that 
Christian Reformation. It didn't take 500 years, but took almost 300 until you had an American country based in real national reforms that prevented the establishment of religion. I think now with YouTube, Twitter, Google, Facebook, Snapchat, WhatsApp, it's going to take a lot shorter time. Might bring about more revolutionary changes and God willing we survive these things and the West not be collateral damage this is why we have to get into this battle early this is why you need we need to take sides within the house of Islam because it will take our side if we don't take sides within the sides of liberal reformers I wanted to step back as Manhattan figures out it you know, New Yorkers are resilient. They, they will remain strong no matter what they confront. But I think it's important that we have a national conversation about not only what happened in Manhattan, but what are we learning? Are we, are we making progress? Every question they always ask me and every media outlet, how can we prevent this next one from happening? Well, you know, the definition of insanity is we keep doing the same thing, expecting different results. The same thing as talking about violence, talking about terrorism, talking about extremism, all symptoms, all techniques. We're not talking about Islamism. And in this segment, what I wanted to talk to you about was the NYPD report on homegrown radicalization. The NYPD report on homegrown radicalization in the West. A seminal study, 45 pages, came out in 2007. And thanks to Mayor de Blasio, was deep-sixed by him and his police chief, was removed from the public space. Thank God I have a PDF of it on my cloud. That's the only place you're going to find it. It's not on the NYPD side anymore because those 45 pages were deemed by the New York chapter of the Council on American-Islamic Relations by the Muslim Public Affairs Council and every other Islamist apologist organization that, oh, their association of various theological ideas and practices of Muslim with radicalizations would cause harm to Muslims would cause the demonizations of a faith practice which they deemed to be un-American. Now, even with that critique, then a page, page 11, was added to that 45-page document. But that wasn't enough. Thanks to the ACLU, they continued. They ended up ending the mosque surveillance mapping project, which makes absolutely no sense. The mosque mapping project, what is that? Somehow it was felt to be illegal. They weren't doing illegal wiretaps. They were just monitoring public spaces. No different than video cameras that we have out at every corner and every street in London and New York and major cities. Now they're putting together the video footage of what this militant did with his Home Depot truck that he rented. But no, if the police are going to map out where mosques are, then that must be Islamophobic or bigoted against Muslims. When in fact, yeah, obviously not all Muslims are radicals. Uh, not all Salafis are, are radical militants. But all militant Islamists are Salafis, are Muslims. 
So if you're going to address that, where should you be hanging out? So let's let's make this more granular. You talk to a police on the beat, and they're working against drug sales, drug violence on the streets, and gangs. And you want to know what the chatter is about the gangs. You go to the joints where they hang out. If you're on the beat, you talk to your other police on the beat. You say, hey, you know, they hang out at that bar. They hang out at that strip joint. They hang out at that deli. They hang out at that restaurant, not at the other one. They don't hang out at that ethnic food. They hang out at that ethnic food restaurant. And then the police just sort of goes in, has a sandwich, and sits around for an hour and a half and listens to conversations to get to know. Public establishment. No wires. He meets people, develops a relationship with the community. That is normal police work. Now, let's say you took that information of the, of the community that you know, and then you operationalized it and started writing it down on little notebooks. And now with today's technology, you started aggregating that into data. That's mapping. That's not illegal. I do that every day in medicine. I map out diagnoses, symptoms. We use electronic medical records to put together aggregate of possibilities and differential diagnosis. And now police can't do that because the ACLU sues them to end their mapping project. Absurd. Absolutely absurd. And now that's over. And along with it comes the collateral damage of pulling the NYPD homegrown radicalization in the West report. Talked about 16, 17 different Muslim Student Association students that ended up being arrested and convicted on terror charges. And the ACLU said, oh, many of them were just followed. There were many more followed. And with warrants, by the way, not illegally, with warrants. And they exposed a couple cases in the Pulitzer Prize-winning AP report of the undercover journalists that exposed the mapping project and the following of Muslim students and others. Are you kidding me? All of this reporting and backslapping by diversity mongers who really... Our extremists, as Tucker Carlson mentioned, uh, on diversity, not one, not one conviction was overturned, not one formal indictment, not one formal uh, uh, repudiation of the techniques by any judge anywhere of evidence being thrown out because of the way it was procured. And yet... Mayor de Blasio and his chief of police and others bend over on bended knee to apologize for targeting the Muslim community. While us Muslims are given a pass for addressing the ideology that creates the Sapovs of the world. Or the Tsarnaevs of the world. We can no longer do that. To say that the two are unrelated is absolutely absurd. The surrender of the ideological battle, the surrender of the... What was in that report? In this last minute, I want to share with you. There was a description of jihadization, that it begins with identification, self-identification with the global jihad. 
And then as they get closer to it, they find spiritual sanctioners, imams that tell them this is what you do. And then they become militarized and finally operationalized. And that's where the internet's involved. So to say that the internet radicalized them is absolutely absurd. And Quilliam Foundation in their study said 70, 80, if not more percent of the manifestation of Islamist loyalty of that global Islamist insurgency is done locally, is done through familial tribal networks that tell them the society's against them, that teach them the ideas of freedom in the West are an anathema to their practice of Islam and are incompatible to their practice of Islam. And the internet is simply a tool to find redemption, to find that bond with whoever it might be. So, yeah, I think Facebook and others can do more to block, to create more obstacles, to remove the operationalization of their jihadism. But that's not where the solution is. It's like saying the drug problem is all about getting the drugs off the streets. It didn't work. Interdiction did not work. Go to Colombia. You'll fix the drug problem, maybe. Maybe you turn down the supply a little bit. The Saudis can turn down the supply of Islamism and Wahhabism. Yeah, that is a problem. Tell the, 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 the royal idiots to stop exporting their militancy. Yeah, that might be good. But it's not going to solve the problem. The problem needs reform. The advocacy of Americanism over jihadism, over Salafi jihadism. The removal of the NYPD report, I think, is the major lesson to come out of this other attack, another attack in Manhattan. There's probably many more of these known wolves. He was a known wolf. Two of his close contacts were on the very closely monitored terror list. They were interviewed. And more, I'm sure, will come out as we learn more of this guy's social media footprint. This is Zudi Jasser on Reform. This will be right back for the last segment. You're listening to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. The Blaze Radio Network. Pat Gray. What do you think one of the questions was when people moved here in the 1800s and everybody talks about how immigrants built this nation? Well, yeah, legal immigrants did. And when they got here, what did we ask of them? We asked them to stop speaking the language they spoke and switch to English. And they did. We asked them to renounce their loyalty to whatever nation they came from and swear allegiance to this one and this one only. And they did. Pat Gray. Weekdays, noon to 3 Eastern, only on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome to the last segment of Reform This. Let's shift a little bit. We'll continue to talk about this case. Uh, I will tell you, I'm going to be away next week, traveling to speak at the websummit.com. Websummit.com. Take a look. It's uh, the largest. It's like the Davos of the online community, the IT company meetings of discussion of what is happening in the exchange of information in Google, Internet, Twitter, web interfaces, Snapchat, all the major companies with politicians, thought leaders, and others speaking. I'm speaking on a panel on media and extremism, 
When I come back in two weeks, I will talk to you about that. We will share what are some of the experiences I had and talk to you about WebSummit.com taking place in Lisbon, Portugal. We'll speak to some of the parliamentarians in Portugal and uh, a lot of the government leaders that will be there. Um, yeah, Al Gore speaking. I'll have to uh, get my nausea medications to listen to that one. Uh, but, uh, you know, there will be a lot of uh, big thinkers that will cross the stage. And uh, the panel I'm going to be on is uh, sure to be interesting. It's fascinating. So I'll share that with you when I get back. Um, my last segment, I want to talk to you about M103. That We've talked about that uh, bill uh, that now is before for the next 250 days before the Standing Committee on Canadian Heritage of the Canadian Parliament. I was asked to testify this week to that committee about what I felt about their study period. They're supposed to, and you can look at my testimony at AIFdemocracy.org, AIFdemocracy.org, and see what I said. And there's a lot to talk about there, and maybe in an upcoming episode I'll talk to you about it. But, you know, the genesis of that, now it's morphed into supposedly the liberals in Canada are saying that it's about, this is about, preserving diversity it's about anti-semitism about any bigotry against minorities it's not just about muslims or what the bill calls islamophobia yeah 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 it was authored by a a, a so-called liberal parliamentarian by the name of ikra khalid a pakistani islamist apologist who's friends with every identity islamist group in canada who wrote this and said, even and she wrote it, that it was inspired by E411. E411 is an e-petition that basically said that the Canadian Parliament needs to right now do something about Islamophobia. Well, I testified, provided a written testimony that was in length, and then provided an oral testimony of 10 minutes that spoke to a few things, but I basically focused on why the use of the term Islamophobia harms Muslims marginalizes liberal reform voices, lifts up the establishment voices, and prevents the reforms and is a major obstacle. And I told them that instead of simply coddling Muslims, that they actually should begin to shift from the axis of countering violent extremism to countering Islamism, and that that would empower Muslims far more, far more, more than talking about Islamophobia, but actually creating platforms that Canadians and Americans can begin to see that Muslims are leading the reform and thus they become the greatest assets in national security rather than the greatest threats. Scott Reed, a conservative MP, posted a few hours after my testimony. He said, and I I was going to share with you some of the reaction from the liberals, the lectures I got, but I think Reed's statement says it all. And it'll also quote some of my testimony. He said, The behavior of the liberal MPs on the committee studying motion M103 towards witnesses who are moderate Muslims has in general been disappointing. But Monday it reached a new low in an exchange between Arif Varani, the liberal MP for Parkdale High Park, and Dr. Zudi Jasser, the president of the American Islamic Forum for Democracy. In his testimony, Dr. Jasser describes himself 
as an American Muslim who loves my faith and loves my country, stated that, quote, and I said, we helped found the Muslim reform movement that was founded in December 2015, and we have members across the U.S., Canada, and Europe, including Raheel Raza. Much of what we say on behalf of liberal rights, liberal ideas, women's rights, minority rights within Islam is often identified as blasphemy by Islamic regimes. It is identified as heretical by mosques in the West and identified as Islamophobic, unquote. Reed goes on to say, he also pointed out to what he sees as the problem and the fact that Motion M103 makes reference to electronic petition of the House of Commons 411, which calls on the Parliament to condemn all forms of Islamophobia. His comment, where it asks you to take note of 411, I should tell you that the language actually smacks of a lot of the language of theocracies from Iran to Saudi Arabia and that it will actually only empower tribal leaders and Islamists within our community. Mr. Varani's response was to ignore the goals of the Muslim Reform Movement and instead argue that Dr. Jasser is an extremist because he associates with someone, Raheel Raza, our colleague in Toronto, who is extreme because she, because she associates with a platform, Rebel Media, which is extreme because some prior witnesses has characterized it as divisive. Got it? Here's the quote from the good liberal Varani. You mentioned Miss Raza as someone who shares your view of the world, so to speak. Someone you've collaborated with. Miss Raza is demonstrated to be somebody who continues to participate in certain platforms, such as the rebel media. That platform has been identified by other witnesses as divisive. Varani wasn't done. He employed a tactic that many liberals have used in the M103 hearings. He used up my entire time, Dr. Jasser's entire time. I would have needed in order to respond to engage in further ad hominem attacks. He said the point, Varani further said in lecturing me, the point that you raised about petition E411, I found offensive. I'll be candid with you, Dr. Jasser, because 70,000 Canadians signed that petition and you compared it to theocratic gestures you found in other parts of the world. I think most Canadians would find that quite offensive, sir. And then the chair responded to any attempt to deny Jasser the ability to reply by giving him an extra minute. Dr. Jasser's response was brilliant. And I want to end this segment with this. I said... The bottom line is that in the motion, M103 was offered by MP Ikra Khalid under the premise of 411. There is nothing offensive about a Muslim telling you that in other countries that are not as free democracies as Canada and the United States are, this same language is being used to suppress any dissent from citizens in their country who said they're being put in prison for criticizing Islam. That is why it is called Islamophobia. By you impugning Raheel Raza's work by saying that she appeared on this or that media rather than addressing the substance of what I've said, what she has said, I think proves the weakness of your argument that you simply want to do guilt by association, which you as a Muslim claim is bigotry when it's done against us. Reed ends by saying this exchange is symptomatic of a bizarre phenomena in which liberal MPs on the M103 committee seem to want to slander reformers and feminists within the Muslim community and deprive them of their voice. 
I was on the verge of saying that liberals are doing so on behalf of reactionary elements in that community. Except I see no evidence that any Muslim reactionary or otherwise seems to be seeking out these attacks. And the strangest thing of all to watch, coming from an MP who is himself a member of the Ismaili community, one of the most open-minded and generous-spirited faith communities of any sort in the world, that was Verani. So, this is, this is the epitome of what we're up against. I testified to liberals about why, not I as a conservative, but why their liberal ideas should reject, should reject the term Islamophobia. And they don't use similar terms to describe Judeophobia, Christianophobia, etc. They talk about bigotry against people because they want to be able to criticize religion. But with Islam, they don't. They want to give it a pass because they want to exploit us as a minority and let the Islamist tribal theocrats control our communities. I am offended. I am offended. Mr. Varani, Ms. Ikra Khalid, it was an honor to testify to your committee because I'm sure many conservatives now are aware of what we're up against. And can realize it's not just a Canadian problem, it is a Western problem. And hats off to the staff or others who facilitated inviting me to testify to them. That video is online at our YouTube channel, AIFDTV. You can take a look at it. It's an audio, but I took my own little video of my using my iPhone camera because to make sure that this was archived for humanity, for posterity. God bless you all. It's been great talking to you again. I hope I gave you a few nuggets of what to do to, to, to change the world, to leave a legacy. I am going to be away next week, traveling in Portugal through Europe. I'll be back in 10 days. Be back to share with you the continued battle. Please stay safe out there. God bless you and your family. This is Zudi Jasser on Reform This on the Blaze Radio Network. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network.